Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 356. Hello, and welcome to The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Premed Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, as I just mentioned, and I want to thank you for taking some time for joining me today. Today, I have an interesting discussion that I want to talk to you about, one that I need to bring up, a little heart-to-heart between you and me. Now, a couple weeks ago, I went on a little bit of a rant with Lizzie M., got a ton of great feedback with that episode. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Mrs. Dr. Gray coming back and joining me. We have some fun projects rebooting, the Med Diaries rebooting soon with her and I. But this week, I want to talk to you about the most common mistake that I continue to see every day as an advisor for pre-med students. As I talk to pre-med students about why they're not getting into medical school, this thing comes up all of the time. Now, before I jump into this most common mistake, I want to give a brief plug for application Renovation. If you don't know what application renovation is yet, it is a YouTube series, a video series that I created with six episodes recorded in our first season, if you want to call it that, of of basically episodes where I break down a student's full application. I have them on Skype with me, and you can see them, you can hear them talking with me about their application. And, And I try to look at it from a an admissions committee's perspective, a reviewer's perspective of what went wrong here. Why did this student not get an acceptance? And I've gotten a ton of great feedback with this series. And I want you, because you're listening to this episode, I'm assuming you want to know what mistakes students are making. I want you to go listen to that because we cover almost every mistake that you can think of. And If you have applied to medical school and you've been rejected, go to 
applicationrenovation.com slash apply. You can be, or you can apply to be on the next series of, of applications that we review. So applicationrenovation.com or applicationrenovation.com slash apply if you would like to apply to be on application renovation. So let's dive into an application theoretically and talk about this most common mistake. Now, before I dive into this most common mistake, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go to Twitter, assuming you're not driving right now. I want you to go to Twitter, if you're on Twitter, and use the hashtag biggest mistake so that I can track these. Or actually use the hashtag pre-med mistake so I can track these. Biggest mistake's probably a very common one. Use pre-med mistake, hashtag pre-med mistake. And let me know, before you hear what I'm going to tell you, let me know what you think is the biggest mistake that students are making. And we can, we can keep track of that, and that'd be fun to see. So again, go to Twitter, hashtag pre-med mistake, and let me know what you think. Obviously, in 280 characters or less, let me know what you think is the biggest mistake that students are making. So let me give you a little story of a student. I'm looking at their application. A 528 MCAT score. Yes, you heard that correct. 528. Decent GPA. And I get a question about why this student is not getting any interviews. Their application's in. They submitted early. They're doing all the things that I recommend as far as an application is concerned. They submitted early. Why are they not getting any interviews? And so I look at their extracurriculars. I look at their personal statement. I look at their secondary essays. And what do I see? I see something that stands out very clearly as to why they're not getting any interviews. I then talk to another student, get an email from another student, 515 MCAT, decent GPA no interviews. 519 MCAT, really good GPA, no interviews. What's going on here? What is the trend? These are the students that go onto Student Doctor Network and post, oh my gosh, I have a 3.9 GPA and a 520 MCAT score and I didn't get any interview invites. And then it causes you to go off of Student Doctor Network crying because you're like, if they can't do it, how the heck am I supposed to do it? But let me tell you, if you're listening to this, you will not make the same mistake that they have made. They have all made the same common mistake. What is that? Zero, absolutely zero clinical experience. If you are telling an admissions committee that you want to be a doctor, but you are not backing that up with your actions, with your time commitments to do clinical experience, then it's going to be very hard for an admissions committee to believe you. It's going to be very hard for that reviewer to know that you really, at your core, you know that you want to be a doctor. 
especially, I had this conversation with a student, especially if you are a student who has a parent who is a physician. That is one of the most cliche things that can come across in an application is I want to be a doctor because mommy's a doctor. I want to be a doctor because daddy's a doctor. If your application screams that you don't know what your motivations are behind becoming a physician, other than, of course, you love science and you want to help people. You can buy that shirt, by the way. I love science and I want to help people. Uh, PremedShirts.com. We're uh, hopefully setting up a store on my main website soon, but PremedShirts.com. If you want that shirt, among other shirts, uh, if, if you did listen, r- random side note here, if you did listen to the Lizzie M score episode two weeks ago, I kept mentioning your story matters. And when I was done recording that, I was like, oh, that's a shirt. So I have that shirt. Again, PremedShirts.com. And so let me continue on with this story, right? This, this student, this one specific student who had a father who was a physician, zero clinical experience. He's done some shadowing. That's great. But zero clinical experience. And you may go, well, isn't shadowing clinical experience? No, it is not. Shadowing is definitely in a clinical environment. And that's the biggest hangup The biggest misconception is that shadowing is clinical because it takes place in a clinical environment, right? When you are shadowing a physician, you are typically shadowing him or her when when they are in a clinical environment, seeing patients, operating on patients, going room to room in in a clinic. That's a clinical environment. And so you assume that shadowing is clinical, but it is not. Just the same as working as a janitor in a hospital, while very important, is not clinical experience. The environment does not dictate whether or not something is clinical. What you are doing, your activities, dictates what is clinical. Now, I don't want you to email me after listening to this episode and go, hey, Dr. Gray, I was listening to your episode and I was thinking about doing the XYZ. Is that clinical? I get this message all of the time. Every time I mention something about something being clinical or not clinical, you use your brain here. If you are interacting with patients in some non-administrative way, And I have to add that caveat because I got pushback from someone about ER registrations. Now, if you've never been to the ER or you've never shadowed in an ER or volunteered in an ER, emergency department, an ED, then you don't know what this is. But in most emergency departments, the the patients go back to the room before kind of anything else. And then a, a registration person will come with their fancy iPad and ask a ton of questions and get your insurance cards and all of that stuff. And I had a student go, well, I'm interacting with the patient. That must be clinical, right? But it's not. It's administrative work. If you are interacting with patients in some caveat of some clinical way outside of administration, then it's clinical experience. 
volunteering in an emergency department, stocking shelves is not clinical experience. You are in a clinical environment, but it's not clinical experience. So use your brain, figure out what you can do to get clinical experience because lack of clinical experience is the biggest mistake, at least in terms of extracurriculars that students are making day in and day out. And a lot of students are doing it because they don't think they need it. They've shadowed and so that's all they need. But a lot of students are doing it because they just don't have time for it because they're focusing on their grades and their MCAT score. And they've watched enough Grey's Anatomy to know that they want to be a doctor. Why would they ever put themselves around patients? Clinical experience is a must. It's not a checklist item, but it's still a must. Are there stories of students getting in without clinical experience? Sure, there are. There's always those, those outliers that will prove me wrong. But I will tell you, that the majority of time when I'm talking to students who haven't gotten any interviews with amazing stats, it's because they have not been able to formulate, to verbalize, to really inform that reviewer of why they want to be a doctor. And when you can't do that, it's almost always because you have a lack of clinical experience. So you don't know what it's like to be around patients. You don't know what it's like to see their lives impacted. You can't get that emotion from watching Grey's Anatomy. Only being in person, seeing a patient revived with CPR, seeing a patient see for the first time in years after surgery, only being there in person, interacting with those patients, having conversations with them. Only then will you be able to formalize why it is that you want to be a doctor. Because liking science and wanting to help people is not enough. That is a prerequisite before we even dive into the discussion about why you want to be a doctor. So if you are going down this path and you think, oh, I have a 3.9 GPA, I have a 515 plus MCAT score, I'm good. It's okay that I'm lacking clinical experience. Look at all this amazing research, right? One of my discussions was with a student, 515 MCAT score, decent GPA, tons of research, zero clinical experience, zero interviews. You have to have clinical experience to get into medical school. And I don't say that a lot. Right? I don't say you have to a lot. Right? Sometimes it's good too. Sometimes you, you should check it out. It might help. And again, are there students who get in without clinical experience? Yep, there are. I don't know why they're getting in without clinical experience. I wouldn't want to accept a person without clinical experience, but they're getting in. But I would say that the far, 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 far majority of students who are not getting accepted with great stats, right? If you go to the AAMC, you search for their ap applicant and matriculant data, 
you will see that there are students with amazing MCAT scores, amazing GPAs, not getting in. Now, you don't know why they're not getting in. I would love to see a breakdown of, of those who are getting interviews versus not getting in. Are they terrible at interviewing? Right, I, as several, many, many episodes ago, uh, if you just do a search on my website for Natalie on, uh, on the pre-med years, you'll see Natalie, her title is something like third application, a charm or something. Or she had... Her her first application wasn't very good. I think her her stats needed to be improved a little bit. Her second application, she got like six interviews and six waitlists. Third application cycle, six interviews, six invites, or uh, six acceptances. So she did well. Second application cycle, not a very good interviewer. I did some mock interviews with her, improved the angle that she was taking when it when it came to answering questions. And she crushed it. Now she's a second or a third year now at, uh, at an amazing school. And so are these students who have amazing stats not getting, any, getting any interviews? If they're not getting any interviews, I can almost guarantee you why they're not. It's probably because they're lacking clinical experience. And if you remember, I did a podcast episode, I think it was 171 with Christine Crippens, and that was all about reapplying to medical school. And she was a former dean of admissions at UC Irvine. She's now um, part of the curriculum committee or some other amazing job at Keck School of Medicine at USC. And she talked about right the number one reason why students weren't getting accepted to UC Irvine's lack of clinical experience. And so if you are not getting accepted and you need to reapply, you better start getting clinical experience, right? Do that thought experiment, become self-aware of your weaknesses. Now in my application book, which at some point will come out, I've, I've uh, run into some roadblocks with it, but my, my fourth book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application has a rundown, right? Pre-application submission, running through a checklist of figuring out where you stand and post-application checklist if you didn't get in to try to figure out where you're at. And I actually just registered a domain called pre-med assessment. So we'll have a, a, a nice assessment there for you as well to figure out where you're at. But lack of clinical experience is the number one reason if your stats are good enough, right? And I always talk about it, you have to be good enough good enough MCAT score, good enough GPA to get through the, the digital shredders. If your stats are good enough and you are not getting any interviews, it is most likely because you have a lack of clinical experience. Now, obviously, there are going to be some of you out there with huge red flags, uh, academic violations or uh, arrests or anything like that. But the majority of the time, outside of all that stuff, it's lack of clinical experience. And sure, a bad personal statement. Uh, I was reading one the other day that I'm like, wow, like you submitted this. This is what this tells me. Right. This tells me, again, someone who has a lack of clinical experience. It, it, the, her personal statement proved that she had a lack of clinical experience based on what she was talking about. She didn't understand what medicine was. And so I would be a paragraph into her personal statement and I would throw it away. 
if you want help with your personal statement, I have a book, Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Personal Statement. Check it out. So hopefully this has helped you, a shorter episode, but one that I just feel it's necessary because it keeps coming up over and over and over again. You need clinical experience. Hospice, EMT, phlebotomy, medical assistant, right? Volunteering in the hospital in some way where you're not just stocking shelves, but you're actually interacting with the patients. Whatever you can do to get yourself around patients, interacting with patients, that's great. The AAMC has a, a good article. If you just Google AAMC clinical experience, they had a good article of some kind of alternative ways to get some clinical experience. Hospice, I think, was on there. Amazing opportunity. Look into your state. Some states, like Colorado, where I am, you don't have to have a license to be a medical assistant. You don't need some sort of certificate or training. If that's the case, find a, a small family practice or internal medicine clinic and say, hey, I'm pre-med. I would love to volunteer for you. You don't have to pay me. I would love to volunteer and just check in your patients, do their vitals and talk to them about why they're here. That's amazing clinical experience. And that opens the door for so many other opportunities. All of this is to prove to yourself why you want to be a doctor. All of this is to prove to yourself that this is why you want to be a doctor. You need to prove to yourself why you're doing this. You need to prove, your, prove to yourself that you like doing this. Until you can prove to yourself that this is what you want, you will never prove to an admissions committee that this is what you want. Until you can prove to yourself that you like being around patients, that you like taking care of patients and being around their families, until you can do that, you will never, ever prove to the admissions committee that this is what you want to do. And it will be hard for them to take a risk on accepting you. All right, I hope that was helpful. Go get some clinical experience if you are lacking it. Until then, I'll see you next week for another pre-med years. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. This is MedEd Media.